Welcome to another episode of our conversation on Giants in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. I'm Megan and joining me for the last episode of this series is a gentlest of souls, Casey. Oh. <sighs> so sad. Yeah. I can't believe it. <laughs> well, we're here. Well, this episode is going to focus on the giant kin of D&D 5th edition that most closely resembles humans. The Verbeeg, Furbolgs, and Goliaths. If you're interested in hearing inspirations for Furbolgs and Goliaths as playable races, you can go listen to episode 193 of the main podcast. This episode is going to focus on them as NPCs for Dungeon Masters. And that's us! Woo! Woo! So before we, get, before we get started, I mean, as always, I want to ask a question. There are more <laughs> humanoids and cultures and civilizations of intelligent creatures. Do you ever find it overwhelming trying to keep it all straight as a player? Fuck yes. All the time. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. It's like, you what, can, what are you? I don't know. You can give me a spreadsheet and I would still be like, give me 30 minutes to figure yeah. this out. You know what I mean? Oh my goodness. There are, it's a lot. And I think that that's the job as a DM and a good DM is the kind of person that would kind of really flesh out the area and the world that they're in and be very specific to the kinds of folks and people that you'd be running into for a purpose, a rhyme, and a reason. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like uh, that comes back to, we do talk about it quite a bit in a few of our old episodes on um, easier ways to uh, be a DM when it comes to role-playing game and role-playing, <laughs> being a DM in a role-playing game <laughs> that has many, many different cultures and civilizations to like hone in on is that like, you want to give them a backstory. You want to give them a history so that your characters and your players are more honed in and tuned into the fact that you say that there's a thing that exists. It's kind of like the whole thing when you walk into a room in D&D, whereas if you explained everything that was in that room, everything is the same. Mm -hmm. But if you only described one or two very specific things, your players would know to approach those one or two very specific things. Right. So, like, if you walked into a room saying, yeah, there's a candle on a table on the left, it's unlit, there's seven books stacked about two feet high, there's a bunch of dust and some cobwebs, and then there's, the dressers have, like, seven drawers, one is open, one is closed. It's like, okay, that's a lot. Yeah. Or you can describe it as you walk into the room, there is a dresser on the left-hand side of the room, one of the drawers is open and there is an unlit candle on the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel ya. Right? Like, you would definitely go for either the drawer or the candle. Yeah. Or check all the other drawers because the drawers have been tampered with. Right? It's kind of the same thing that you want to do with creatures, civilizations, cultures, and how to utilize them. Yeah. What are the ones that are important to your storyline? What fits in? What do you want your characters to interact with? And focus and hone in on those. Yeah, because um, it... It's very tempting to throw all of the interesting, th- interesting things you've read. Yeah. Because as a DM, you read a lot. Yes. And it's like, oh, that sounds great. That sounds cool. Let's do that. And then it ends up being kind of a wash. And yeah. Just too much. Yeah. And then your players forget mm-hmm. that all these things and all these cool things have happened to them because they interface with something super cool every single time. Yeah. Which is one way to DM. And it's again, we're never really saying that one way is better than the other. No. But I found if you do have a good balance of hyper-focusing on what matters to the storyline, your characters are more inclined to follow it and be interested in it than if you hand them 17,000 different flavors of sandwiches. Yeah. And they want to try all of them. <laughs> yes. And when you put the thought into, like, why would it be a verbi? Why would it be a furball that you're talking to right mm. now? Some of the people in your party would acknowledge that. <laughs> Some wouldn't 
care. Yeah. Like, okay, sure, that's cool. But some would get why that is what you're interacting with, not all three of them in one town. Exactly, right? Like, there are some players that you might want to lean into the fact that they're going to metagame. Mm-hmm. So if you have dragons in your story, throw in full furbolgs, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you're going to have giants in your story, throw in verbeeg. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, what direction are you going in? Where's your big bag? big bad evil guy coming from, those are going to be the minions and the allies that you're going to want to yeet into right. your world for interactions, yep. right? Love it. But before we dive into a couple of the other, you know, dra- the, the lower down, I almost said dragon kin, but the lower <laughs> down giant kin. I feel like I feel like we need to be on dragon episodes, but yeah. that's just me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, peps. Uh, <laughs> what wine are we drinking? The wine for the finale episode. The finale we are sticking to New Zealand today. Wow. Okay. Uh, a Sauvignon Blanc f- called uh, Earth Garden. Earth Garden. Yeah. Yes. Because we are channeling some nature today. We are. In many of the the races we're talking about. Yeah. The earth, stone, mountains, think just enveloping in vegetation. Yeah. That's and we're going to we we're going to drink it in a, in a Sauvignon Blanc. Wine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cracker open. All right. Here we go. Oh, God. Oh, no. What is that? <laughs> Sorry, the we've, lid had like an extra lid we, on it. We have, we have had a malfunction in the wine pouring. Yeah, we figured it's it out, fine. though. We're okay. It's fine. This is fine. All right. I did a heavy pour today. You know, <laughs> I could use a heavy pour. <laughs> Cheers! Cheers. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, yeah. That's that's nice. It's not too sweet. Nope. It's not too, it's not like overly unflavorful and crisp. Like it's just, it's, it's got a niceness. It's nice. I like it. Oh yeah. That's delicious. Mm-hmm. Well done, Earth Garden. Let's well, let, begin. Let's begin. <sighs> and to start, I'm going to take you all on Adventures of the Verbeeg. Let's do it. All right. They can be found in Icewind Dale Adventure Book or in general within the Wild, And they do come in a few different forms. But for some context and for vision value... They are, of course, giant kin that look like just oversized humans with elongated limbs. So they're not grotesque looking. They're not disformed. They're not disfigured. They're not, you know, weird looking giants. They're not cyclopses, nothing. They're just really large humans, which for some reason is more frightening than the rest of them. (laughs) But I digress. It's like when... You look and you know something's off, but you can't put yes. your finger on it. It's like, mm. what kind of Slender Man shit is this? Is what I would say if I saw one. Oh, no, don't Wait. talk about Slender Man. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to frighten you on this nice cold wintry evening. Um, so to go on, they classically build their own armor and prefer a spear for their weapon of choice. So we've now moved on from our previous episode where we talked about javelins and other throwing objects. This one is the spear. Um, as mentioned, they do come in two forms. They are either long striders or marauders. Uh, the long striders of, uh, Verbeeg are folks who worship gods of the natural world, uh, and tend to exist uh, to defend that natural world. Okay. So, again, we're talking about nature today. Yes. And then, in turn, this gives them magical capabilities. Marauders are more of your classic murderous group of folks. They are not unknown to steal from people and then eat them for food if food is scarce. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. So, due to them living and operating in the wild, they can be found to be leading a pack of hill giants or ogres. 
Cool. As they are smarter and can unite them to fight or just be laborers. So they do have a bit of a higher intelligence. We'll get into their stat block in a little bit. But because of their higher intelligence, they will take their other, like, you know, giant kin and brethren and utilize them as armies. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. It is also very common for them to keep animals as pets, but also, of course, for food, should they need it, or for trade. So they do have horses, they have cattle, they have sheep, they have all kinds of things. Um, Again, they're in nature. They use Mm -hmm. whatever they can find. So they are animal folk. So stats-wise, the magical Longstrider is a neutral large giant with a hard armor, um, AC of, sorry, like a natural armor of like AC of like 14. They okay. have a speed of 50, so faster than your average giant, and I suspect, I suspect again, because we always talk about how they're slow lumbering idiots, but because of their longer stride, they're technically faster. I think with these ones, because their limbs are so long... They're extra they're long stride. extra long stride, but right. will probably move at the same like mental speed as any other giant. They have saving throws in dex, con, and wisdom, and are skilled in animal handling, athletics, and stealth. They are a CR of five, but you should be able to communicate with them as they be they speak both common and giant. Okay. That's cool because something large usually doesn't have high decks or like stealth. Yeah. Uh, and these do. Yeah. So it's yeah. It's the Slender Man long lanky, like humanoid, cool. I'm gliding through the forest like I am a tree. Yeah. Kind of feel, right? Um, they are above average in all other skills except charisma, which is still at a zero, but again, that's average. Mm-hmm. They are spellcasters using wisdom as their spellcasting ability. So that being said, once per day, they can cast Animal Messenger, Fog Cloud, Freedom of Movement, Pass Without a Trace, Silence, or Water Walk, which I feel is Holy very shit. indicative to them living in the wild mm-hmm. amongst animals. Yep. Right? That's a lot of options, too. Yeah. And I mean, they're only once per day, but like in my mind, like these spells are more utilized in their everyday life, mm-hmm. not necessarily specifically for combat. It's for communicating with animals. So an animal comes up to it, and it's like, oh, there's a, a group of adventurers coming up. Like it's yeah. more of a survivalist set of skills and spells. If it, they are to get into a fight, they do have the ability to multi-attack with their spear. As mentioned before, it is their weapon of choice. Mm-hmm. But they also carry and utilize a sling. For some extra ranged damage. Okay. So in my mind, those are very primitive weapons, right? You're going to eat your spear, or you're going to throw your sling, or you're going to run away. Yeah. And does sling have 10-foot reach? I feel like it might. Well, sling is a ranged weapon. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Like it, yeah. It, you're, you're eating rocks with it, right? Yeah. Um, gotcha. But I So will... it will still have 10-foot reach no matter what. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it, it deals 1d4 bludgeoning damage um, and can, is a range of 30 feet. Okay. And then the same thing, it's like 120 feet if you want to do disadvantage. So it's not like it's going to be yeeting it very far. Like in a previous episode, we were talking about those big, giant, weird fucking weapons yeah. that can launch things at 120 feet without disadvantage. Yeah. This is just your average, I have a sling to hunt with. Right. Yeah. But if you fight me, I will fight you with it. Yeah. Right? That's the feel that I get from these ones. I get the feel that they're not going to want to fight you, but they will if they have to. Yeah. As a survivalist. They're going to be wandering in the forest. You're never going to see them. They're going to be quiet as mice. Yeah. You'll probably find their footprints every once in a while, wondering why there's another humanoid following you or, like, hunting you down. But it's going to send its probably animal friends after you before it fights you. Right. It would be more, like, it would deter you and try and direct you from... From, like, behind the scenes. Yeah. So, like, it might hit the tree near you with its with a rock in its sling. Yeah. Yeah. 
and try and direct you in a certain way. Yeah. But it won't actually be in, like, melee attack. It won't want to interact with you in any way, shape, or form. But that's the Longstriders. The Marauders are a large giant but considered neutral evil, which I think touches on their brutish nature to kill for food and replenishment. Um, They have an AC of 14, that is from hide armor, and the fact that they carry a shield. Mm, Okay. They have a speed of 40, so not as much as the Longstrider because, like, I don't, they're not as long and lanky as they are. They are kind of like your average giantish size. Um, but I also, I also kind of imagine this due to the, the armor that they wear and the fact that they carry a shield. Because I imagine that if you're a giant, your shield is quite large. Yeah. But they are bolstered in strength and con and have an average in everything else. So they have saving throws in dex and con, and they are also skilled in animal handling, athletics, and stealth. Again, this fits right into being hunters. Yeah. And being within the nature of themselves, right? In combat, they can't utilize spells like their uh, long strider brethren. Um, but they do, however, of course, carry their spear and can multi-attack with it the same way that the long strider could. Um, something to mention is both of them, I'm sorry, I didn't mention this before, but both of them have something called simple weapon wielder. Okay. And what that means is as long as they're wielding a simple weapon, they gain an extra dice of damage. Okay. So um, a, there are many, many simple weapons in the world. Yeah. So even if it picked up like a, a, like a sword off the battlefield, like a short sword, which is a simple weapon, as long as they're wielding it, they would get an extra dice of damage. So let's say they run out of spears and have to keep fighting you. They're probably going to try and grab your sword because they'll get extra damage to stab you with it. Huh. You don't see that very often. No. In fact, I never really heard of it until I read about these folk. Mm-hmm. And that they have the, that ability to get an extra dice of damage just for wielding simple weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that is them. So that is Verbeeg that are, you know, again, Marauders and Longstriders. So did you? which one would you prefer? Would you rather, like, DM with Longstriders or would you do Marauders? I'd probably pick Longstriders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck around with the with the party a little bit. Yeah. Like if they're like navigating through a forest, mm-hmm. the, a big long strider could mess with them for a while, try and redirect them, and you can never like even if you roll perception, you get your rogue to stealthily go in. It might not even see it. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, they see more haunting, don't they? Yeah. Like and if you're in a deep dark forest at night that is hooded in snow. And it's cold, and you're just barreling for survival, and you see this tall, lanky thing in the field. Oh, God, no, Megan. <laughs> I know. For those who don't know me that well, I love a good haunt story. <laughs> love it. So I feel like long, long striders give you that ability to have a bit of a more of a haunting experience yeah. within a forest that you're expected to fight wolves and expected to fight, like, you know, whatever the fuck, bears or what have you that are going to come out of the forest naturally. Yeah. And then you see this cre- this motherfucking creature that controls those animals. Yeah. Oh, man. And, like, it could even stay so perfectly still that you think it's just, like, tree trunks. Yeah. And it's just standing there and you walk right by it. Oh. And then in, like, your passive perception of, say, I don't know, your, your monk. Yeah. Just catches the tree trunks move. In the corner of its eye. And, yeah. It's like, are we in a haunted forest right now? Mm -hmm. And then your fucking barbarian's like, no, we're not. (laughs) It's like, let's just keep moving. Move on. (laughs) We need to get to the next encampment. We have to make a fire. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. I like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what do you got? Let's move on to furbolgs. So. (laughs) Not to be confused with kobolds. Furbolgs. Yep. 
for bulks. Um, I'm really happy that this became like a playable race as well. It's very cool. Um, speaking from a NPC standpoint, like we're doing today too, it's so lovely. Yeah. They're cute, (laughs) hey? Yes. And for any critters who are listening, there's a really famous furbolg in the Critical Role universe Mm -hmm. called Pumat Soul. And honestly, like, one of the favorite NPCs of all time in that campaign. And it spans multiple campaigns that he's in. Um, he is just, he runs a shop and they, whenever they get to the city that he resides in, they always go there and it's just... An exciting time. Yeah, it's like the perfect use of an NPC that just captured everybody's hearts. And and he's a furbolg. Perfect. So furbolgs are... Gentle giant kin, distant cousins to the giants. Yeah. <laughs> in tune with nature, they would love to spend their days immersed in sacred forests, living off the land, but in balance with it. They are incredibly resourceful to the point where not only for their own survival, but they will hunt and gather, not hunt, they will gather um, enough stores through the summer mm-hmm. that they will have enough food to scatter in the winter for the animals as well. They are like absolute like guardians of the woods. Yeah. Um, they are natural druids and connected to the fae. So there's so much to work with here. <laughs> um, they are very insightful and all will generally know some spells. They wish to remain out of sight, out of mind. So the furbo sometimes will only know spells that will keep it, like, out of sight. So think, like, illusion spells. Yeah. So invisibility, disguise self. Um, and this is the same in the forest. They want to live in the forest but not hinder it. They only want to get involved in any social or political activities if nature or the forest is being impacted then they will go and, like, speak on behalf of the forest. Yeah. So it it makes it kind of specific where you might use a furbolg as an NPC. Uh, and if you do play it as a PC, you have a very more more tailored specific backstory. Yeah. And it probably will be tragic, Obviously. if anything. In D&D, if it's not tragic, are you even playing D&D? Yes. <laughs> and so it also gives... Like, yeah, that morality and tragedy and pulling out the heartstrings for an NPC that Mm -hmm. your party might come across. There's outcast furbolgs. They, outcast furbolgs can never return to their home forest, usually because they've maybe put their home forest at risk. They have made some sort of small mistake that put something at in harm's way. Yeah. They must leave and never return. So then they are endlessly looking for their new home. Mm-hmm. And never feeling connected. So all, all they're constantly searching because they never yes. find anything that fits. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, there's orphaned furbolgs that will wander and try and seek revenge to what caused their family cause the loss of their family or home and so you might come across one in a city or on in a forest um you might lose your way and then come across a single furbolg that's you know created a tiny little hut somewhere just trying to find its way yeah and it might help you in some way or you might help it in some way 
But no matter what, they will just continue to protect the forest that they're in. Yeah. They are not combative unless they have to. They would rather use their magic to kind of move people through the forest more quickly or deter them from doing what they're trying to do. So if there's a hunting party, they will um, mess with the trail to get them lost. They will actually make the, the animals move out of the territory so there's nothing to hunt. They will go steal weapons or steal supplies so that the hunters can't actually hunt anything. Yeah. So they're more mischievous that way um, and will use their magic if they can. Yeah. Uh, In a sense, uh, they can be detected when you're moving through the forest if there's no sound at all because they're just controlling too much. Yeah. So if the forest gets eerily quiet and you seem to be going in circles, there might be a furbolg messing with you. Yeah. So that's kind of fun to play with as well. They if they have they can't avoid an encounter or interaction, they will be very direct. <laughs> they okay. will they will just get the fuck out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they will just walk up and be like like I need you to move on. What can I do to make you move on? Do you need food? Do you need provisions? Yeah. Let's keep you moving. Yeah. If you're hunting, you can't hunt, but it'll help you get out of the forest. Yes. What direction are you going in? <laughs> yes. Get the fuck out. Exactly. Yeah. And if that doesn't work, they will do one big attack as kind of a show of, not, well, show of force, but it's like, if you're not going to do this, this is my wrath. Yeah, I have wrath. Here it is. Yes. Yeah. So you're going to see them generally as potentially like druids, rangers, clerics, uh, and they're going to be out of sight. You might not ever really encounter them um, unless you actively go against what they're trying to do. Yeah. And uh, piss them off. Yeah. 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 There is so much to work with for making an NPC of this. Uh, it's really fun. And a whole campaign arc, I feel like, being in one of these guys' forest. Yes. Like, this would be a good, like, four or five session you're in this forest. Yep. Figuring things out, interacting with different things, and then this, not necessarily being the big bad evil guy, but your next guidance out of the forest where you need to go. Yeah. Right? Like, if you need an in-between places... Plot hook, this is it. Yes, yeah. and the Furbolgs will absolutely help you if the means of the end is that you leave. Yeah. Or that you, that if you have someone in your party that respects and um, loves the forest as much as they do, then you can absolutely get in their good graces and get their help. And what a great connection to make for a character that you do have in your team that has a connection to, to the nature. Like, let's yeah. say you do have a cleric or you do have a ranger or something along the lines of, like, you are nature-focused and nature-forward, you're in this Furbolg's forest, they're the ones who are kind of, like, tracking it, figuring it out, and, like, it's almost like it's that character's little story arc. Yes, right? absolutely, and you can build an ally, and if you come back to this area, yeah, it's You can walk really through the forest good. freely because you've made a friend, whole nine yards, right? Like, the sky's the limit. They seem simple, but with that little bit of tidbit of information about how connected they are to nature, it would, like, mean a lot to at least... A player or two at your table. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And we have seen Furbolg lore in previous editions. They've been around since the first edition. Uh, some of the lore mentions that they have really, they have the ability to see very well at night and potentially would have dark vision, but that's not listed as an ability in 5e. Okay. Um, and it was also mentioned that the only giant they will interact with is Storm Giants, whom they look up to. So, Interesting. Yeah, wanted to throw that in. Of but that's the really theme. cool because storm giants are and like let's remind storm giants are the ones that are technically recluse and oracles, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I feel like that checks out. Yeah, and they are very intelligent. Yeah. So I can almost imagine a storm giant hiding in a cave or like in a tree well within a furbolg's forest. Yes. Yeah. And maybe your goal is to find that storm giant. Right. Right. And you have to befriend the Furbolg to get safe passage to where they, you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so interesting. Um, so if we go into more racial bonuses of the Furbolg, um, they're generally neutral good, medium size, 7 to 8 feet tall, pretty hefty in weight, 240 to 300 pounds. So they are gentle giants. They have a lot of strength. But they use it in a very different way. Yeah. I just imagine working in the forest, working with wood, not like like using the strength that way. Your body is built of muscle, therefore you have the weight, but you don't look like you have the weight, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, like like slit, like tall and strong, but not looking like a beefy. If you're on TikTok, like... they would be making wood chopping videos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, fair. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Furbolgs do have, like, their own kind of innate abilities of magic. Uh, detect magic, disguise self, once per short or long rest. So, this just goes in their incognito, want to stay behind the scenes, um, like, nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, they can allow themselves to shrink by up to three feet in disguise self. So that is some way that they can blend in a little bit better as, as well. They, yeah, on like the forest floor or what have you, yeah. Yes. If you are in an encounter with them, they have bonus action to turn invisible for um, basically until the start of the ne their next turn. Yeah. So again, they're non-combative. So if somebody comes running at them, they might just, boof, go out of existence and move away mm -hmm. and disappear into the forest. Bye-bye. Uh, they also have powerful build, which means they count as one size larger for encumbrance, and um, that you can push, drag, or lift a higher amount of weight. Yeah. So yeah, they're they are large and they're stronger than a regular humanoid. Yeah. One of my favorite things is speech of beast and leaf. Mm -hmm. So they can communicate with beasts and plants. Uh, they can understand in a limited way. But you can't understand them back. Mm -hmm. So you can just kind of say what you want to say to the beasts and the plants and be what may. Yeah. It's so, sorry. It's, it's, what is Dan in our campaign right now? Is is he a fur, He's a furbolg, is he not? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he uses this on a regular basis. He has tried. He has tried. <laughs> and it works in a very sparingly amount of time. It's super adorable and from a role-playing standpoint, phenomenal. Yeah. Because he can say whatever he wants to a plant or an animal and it will understand him and he's like, yeah. And then... Just nodding his head. 
<laughs> and then whatever happens, happens. happens. And then that's up to the DM to decide, yes, I've heard this thing. I've now said this thing back to this person. They have no idea what I'm saying. <laughs> I was like, great, cool. I may or may not do what you just said. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, and it could be a roll of the dice. It could be a determine what's happening within the campaign to decide what you do as a DM with that information. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so as a furbolg, you do get advantage on charisma checks to try and convince a beast or plant of what you're saying is true. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's so cute. And yeah, there is such a cute place for them. I can also see it being like as a DM, again, that's what we're trying to do the perspective of in this episode. You have a furbolg in the forest. You have players wandering around and they have familiars. Oh, yeah. And then you start saying things as the DM, as the Furbolg, to these player character familiars. Yeah. And maybe they know so much more already before the party even knows. But because they can't talk back, the familiar will hear in their head, get out of my forest. Mm. And the familiar to your player character would be like, uh, we should leave. And he'd be like, why? I'm like, I don't know. I just heard a voice in my head. <laughs> can't you talk to them? No, I can't. <laughs> I've like, said things. They yeah. don't understand what I'm saying. But they're telling us to get out. I understand yeah. what they're... You know what I mean? Like, again, I love a good haunting. Yeah. And that feels very haunting to me. And I yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that, too. Yeah. Um, they speak common, elvish, and giant. Elvish? Yeah. Dope. Throw that in there. Why not? Um, so... Yeah, it's very interesting. There's a few differences in Mordenkainen Presents Monsters of the Uni- Multiverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so Furbolg magic means detect magic, disguise self, once per short or long rest. Mm-hmm. And that is a wisdom-based only spellcasting ability. Yeah. In the new book, you can use intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. Okay. So whatever you have chosen as your initial um, ability for that, you can use any of the three. Okay. Whereas in the former version, you can only use wisdom. So got to think of that as a player character, but as an NPC too, you should have that in mind. Yeah. Um, and they have this ability of what's called hidden step as a bonus action for for turning invisible. Um, in... The new book, you can use it uh, the number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, whereas before it was once per short or long rest. Okay. So you actually get it multiple times as you get to higher level. And that makes more sense to me. Yeah, that makes sense to me too. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so that's essentially it. There's not really that many changes, but uh, I think I I don't mind them and I don't think it makes a huge impact in playing the NPC. No, I feel like you could really go either way and it wouldn't really change it that much. Like it has a few other ones. Yeah. The gameplay style I feel would be the same. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like I'm going to play with Dan's character a little bit differently now. (laughs) You're like, oh. Oh, you're a nice person. (laughs) Oh, shit. But hey, man, that's what comes from not metagaming, shall we say. Yeah. But no, I really enjoy furbolgs. Like they're very... And not not from a 
uh, a PC playable race kind of thing. Like I, I enjoy them more as utilizing them as a DM within your campaign, especially if you are traveling on land where like the earth is in turmoil mm-hmm. or something's going on. Like as you were speaking, all I could think of was Princess Mononoke, which I don't know if you know what that is. No. But I mentioned it, I think, in the previous episodes ago when we were talking about Oni. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it's basically there are, like, demons in the forest that it's very demon against human um, to protect the forest. And I feel like a furbolg would definitely be a defender of the forest that you can utilize as a good plot hook of trying to get your team to leave this forest. Yeah. Like, I'm looking back on a couple of campaigns that I've played in where I wasn't the DM and I was a player character and we were walking through forests and we were getting warnings that we never listened to and or, like, followed up on. And now in my mind, I'm thinking back and I'm like, oh, shit, that might have been just a furbolg hanging out telling you to get out of the forest. And it let you go because you weren't hurting anything. You right. weren't hunting. You had your own food. And he could tell that your intent was to leave. Right. So it's just following you around until mm-hmm. you leave the forest. Observing. Yeah. Yeah. And had you decided to hunt or Hurt start someone. hacking away to make a like lean to for your camp, yeah, then it would have shown its face. Exactly, and gotten into like, your business. Fuck you. Yeah, and um, furbolgs as well. If they are for whatever reason needing to leave their homestead, not by being banished or anything of like that, but like there's a reason they need to be outside of their home forest. Mm-hmm. The, all they want to do is get back to it. So I think there's a lot of uh, potential to just have an NPC part of your party. You're helping it t- fulfill a task that it needs to do and get it back to its home base. Because it wants to go home. Yeah. It's not going to be that NPC that hangs around for too long or you end up with a team of 30. No. While you're walking around. Like it's an NPC that will eventually be like, I have to go home. Yes. Thank you for this adventure. Have a nice time. Here is a boon. Peace out. And yeah. Leave, right? Yeah. So, so cute. Yeah. I love yeah. them. Amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. Last but not least, we're going to talk about Goliaths. All right. So let's do it. I'm going to start us off. So Goliaths are a recluse giant kin who can only be found in the highest tops of the mountains, which means not many folks have seen... Thank you for that wine top up. You're Phenomenal. welcome. So that means that not many folks have seen or can like claim they have seen or befriended one or even survived being around one. Uh, their bodies look as if they are made from the mountains themselves and look as though they are, they have the strength of, basically have the strength of one. They are determined to find a place within their tribe to prove themselves and prove their worth. Okay. To their tribe, right? Um, otherwise, they would yoke themselves off the top of the mountain trying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, there you go. So due to living so high up in the mountains, uh, survival is key. But for some reason, these Goliaths love competing for not only who is the strongest, but who actually is the most useful. So again, they compete with each other within the tribe to see who is contributing the most um, to their tribe and they kind of bolster their deeds to their community as a reason and rhyme to live. Uh-huh. Okay. So, but it's noble in a weird way or more or less. So like honorable as they do only like to compete when it's an even, even playing field. They don't like winning if they felt they had an unfair advantage over someone else. So like fair fight or no fight. Fair fight or no fight. This is because they believe strongly in survival of the fittest and want to make sure they are repping themselves as the strongest for a good reason. 
All right. So they're kind of like a Norse Valkyrie to me, where they would rather hope to die. I'm sorry, not a Valkyrie, but like a Norse warrior wanting to be carried away by a Valkyrie. Because they would like to be hoped to die an honorable death in battle. Uh, this uh, does cause them not to live very long lives. <laughs> so having a wise old Goliath in the tribe is a very rare and basically unknown theme. They rely on wisdom in their tribe as something that is naturally come upon to a Goliath, not something that comes with time and age. <laughs> Right. Okay, yeah. So it's it's very interesting because like we've talked a lot about like um, frost giants even that live in the same kind of in my mind tundra and or mountain landscapes, but they aren't necessarily as uh, wanting to prove themselves. Like they do want to be the strongest in strength, but these ones read to me more as they want to be the most useful to the tribe. So I hunt, I can gather the most meat. Uh, I am the strongest, I can build the most houses. Uh, I am the best cook. I can cook the best food. Like, it's, everything is a competition to them, and they are all constantly keeping tabs right. on the things that they do for their community to make sure that they are contributing. Mm-hmm. And those who are not contributing get kicked out or leave of their own fruition because they feel like they are not good enough for their tribe. Interesting. Oh, that's, so, yeah. So it's it's very opposite to Furbolg in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. Furbolg can live to 500 years old. Yeah. And I have no doubt they do. Because they're just... They are not around to prove anything. Nope. <laughs> At all. Nope. <laughs> they are here for nature and be what may. And be what it be. And the Goliath is like, no, like, I need a purpose. I need fulfillment. And if I can't do that, like, I I am What am I even not doing here? Not worthy, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that's the term. And, like, I feel like this would be a very good plot hook in the sense where the only reason why you would come across a Goliath is maybe because they weren't able to prove themselves to their community. So they left to try and become an adventurer, be stronger, do these yeah. things, prove themselves, kill the big bad evil guy. So if you want to do this as a playable race, I almost feel like that would be your backstory plot hook. Yeah. Like, you left your community because you needed to prove yourself worthy to be a part of that community. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. So. And you're, like, you're supposed to bring the head of some sort of creature back or, like, this will deem me worthy or some medal or some prize from some sort of god of some kind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. So cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if we go into racial bonuses for this, uh, for Goliaths, they essentially have a few abilities that are... Similar to Fobrog's, definitely, like, giant king, kin-related. Yeah. Uh, they have stone endurance, which means they can basically shrug off injury once per short or long rest. When you take damage, you can use your reaction to roll a d12, add your con, and reduce the damage by that much. Yeah. So it's kind of just, like, take a hit and you have the ability to just kind of shrug that off. Yeah. Uh, they have... What's called powerful build. So similar to Furbolgs, they count as one size larger for carrying capacity and how much you can push, drag, and lift. Yeah. What is true to their race for sure is mountain-born. So high altitude doesn't impact them, even like 20,000 feet. That is that their jam. Yeah. Uh, and cold climates don't bother them. Hmm. Uh, so... I think that would maybe bode to where, kind of like the favored terrain, like 
if you encounter a Goliath or a, maybe a Goliath is going to be going in the same direction as you if you're going into the mountains. Yeah, you're just traveling through. Or you know you're going to come across a tribe because you've been warned that's what you're going to come across. Yes. Like, yeah. they will reside up there. Yeah. Uh, they will have high strength and con um, due to just their nature as being larger, seven to eight feet tall, you know, like upwards of 350 pounds, but they are still size medium and 30 foot walking speed. Yeah. They are proficient in athletics. So they, yeah, they're strong. They have con, they have endurance, um, and they like can speak common and giant. Yeah. So very easy to, uh, bring in as an NPC, I think you should bring them in if you're doing any sort of uh, mountainscape hills where you're going to move into new territory and you might encounter them there. Yeah. Or they might be navigating to go back there. Or they might be trying to find a new place to reside. And yeah. so, oh, you're heading into the mountains? That's the way I'm going, so I'll come with you. Okay, bye. Yeah, yeah. let's go. <laughs> yeah, so... There's not a ton of differences um, when we go to Mordenkainen Monsters of the Multiverse. Uh, the Mountainborn racial trait actually gives you resistance to cold damage, whereas uh, in the first book, not so much. It's not an actual resistance. So that's one cool thing. But it makes sense that they would have resistance to cold damage. It does. Yeah. yeah. Not opposed to that at all. No, I'm not opposed to that. I feel like that fits and tracks. Yeah, and then with Stone Endurance, um, same with before. It was once per short or long rest, and now it's um, equal to proficiency bonus. Yeah. So it does go up um, as you go along and and regains in a long rest. Yeah. So, yeah, happy with those options for, for slight differences. Uh, and, yeah, I didn't really know much about Goliaths, but I think... Like, I think they add a lot, and I actually would really like to play one as a player character. Me too. <laughs> the more I read about them, the more I was about it. Because, A, I love a good frost giant. Yeah! You. So this is my way of playing one. Yeah. You know? It's like, like it's not cold. <laughs> yeah, you stop, you stop your bellowing and your whining. Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry, but this is Vancouver. It's a very wet cold <laughs> in comparison to your dry cold on the East Coast. Exactly. Yeah, you know? Um, yeah. Cool. I mean, like, there is, like, another stat block within um, the book that was the Goliath Warrior stat block. Uh, not much different from what you kind of spoke about the generalized one. Um, mm-hmm. But I just find that they're a little bit fancier-ish. Um, okay. Kind of. So now that I'm reading it, honestly, there's not much different. So they have a hide armor, which gives them an AC of 12, which was, what, okay. the same? Yeah. Uh, let me see. Well, Yeah. Essentially, yeah, because yeah, you they don't naturally go towards having armor at all. Exactly, they're just they're just not maybe almost a loincloth. Maybe they'll just get a nice pair of shorts. Very instead. true. Very nice pair of shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, as always, they are bol- they are bolstered in strength and con, and everything else is average except for a little bit of extra wisdom. Okay. Um. So they're skilled in athletics, perception, and survival, mm-hmm. and resistant to cold damage. So written into their stat block is that they're resistant to cold damage. Um, and then they speak 
common and giant and um, are a CR of three. Okay. Uh, some of their fun traits is that, of course, they're mountain-born, meaning they survive in higher altitude, what you spoke to already. Um, they also are considered to have a powerful build, again, which means they're one size larger than they actually are for capacity, etc. Um, and then in battle, they carry a great axe, which they can multi-attack with, as well as javelins for ranged attacks. And they also have a fun function, as, I, as you mentioned, stones endurance, which means they can take damage. When they take damage, they can actually take 1d12, but theirs is plus 3 damage less uh, and is recharged after a short or long rest. Right. So it's not a whole heck of a lot different, but it's just kind of like bolstered as a warrior. Yeah. Well, and as an NPC, that's what probably you What you select. want as a DM yeah. is to go through the warrior process to make that as your stat block build. Because if you're making an NPC, obviously you're making either the army or the grunt or something of like a tribe or a group of these folks, right? Is how I see it in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I would be very interested not only in utilizing them more as a DM, because again, when we talk about giants in our first season, bleeding into our second season, you aren't going to come across a lot of frost giants, storm giants, cloud giants, all these like top tier ordining giants. You're not going to come across unless you were specifically built to. Yeah. And that your DM specifically built the campaign to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like as we're talking more about these kin, we're getting a taste yeah. Of what seeing a frost giant is going to be like is a Goliath. Yeah. Right? You're going to get a taste of what seeing a um, hill giant, not a hill giant, you'll see hill giants everywhere. But like even like a cloud giant or storm giant, you're going to see probably maybe a furbolg. Yeah. Something so attached to nature and a little bit more like foreboding and metaphysical. Right? So that's why I enjoy these little ones is that you can, these kin, is that you're going to get a little bit of a taste of what it's like to either face a giant as players and as a DM get to play around with giant history without having to go to top tier big bad evil. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it does. It, it introduces the world of giants to your adventuring party. And I think it's very fun to work with in the NPC world because you could throw them in in a lot of different scenarios um, and they can absolutely be allies. You don't have to, like, we're getting to the point where all of the things we talk about are not necessarily just straight into combat. Let's fight and kill this thing. Yeah. We're now in the realm of maybe they can help us. <laughs> hey, maybe we should just talk to this guy and maybe we can help each other. Well, that, um, and I think that we, that comes out very strongly when we talk about the furbolg. Yeah. Is they're not necessarily violent towards you. Not at all. They're just protecting their space and they're protecting what is important to them. Yeah. Which is very common for any evil and or positive or good being is that they're just protecting what is important to them. Yes. Yeah. And I think a Goliath as well, like even the warrior, it's, um, <laughs> it will come in probably as an as a super obnoxious dick <laughs> to your party you be like <laughs> but then you if if someone in your party like tries to just interact and find out what his deal is you will realize yeah it's like gone off from its reg- its group and it's trying to prove itself, and it's just putting this facade of being this awesome warrior. And it's like, I really just... I I'm really doing just, my best! <laughs> since I really fucked up before, and I'm just trying to prove myself again. Yeah. <laughs> Some Karen yelled at me in the shop one day, and I realized I wasn't good enough for my tribe. Exactly. So I'm going to go and best be the best retail employee that I can be. 
I feel like you're. I feel like you're going. You're going. I'm projecting. You're going, I'm projecting. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. We can. Say it's it. okay. You're gonna be fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, any any final thoughts before we wrap up? I mean, I, these are great races. Use them for any mishmash that you're doing in your campaign. And if you have Goliaths or Furbolgs in your players, like, caveat, your adventuring party, I think that's even more reason to bring one in because it will just add that extra level of connection. Yeah. Especially if, say, your Furbolg in your party is kind of the behind-the-scenes character and not really going to the forefronts. Go into the forests and and kind of present that to your adventuring party. Like, oh my god, could you imagine? And this is going to be like a good plot hook for like an NPC to follow you around. You find a furbog or a Goliath whose job within their tribe or within their forest was to protect a specific being. And then that <laughs> being died. Yeah. And then it's like, I have no reason to be here anymore. I need to find a new reason. So they adventure out. They come across your adventuring party. Something happens, you end up saving their life. Like, let's say, like, your character saves this uh-huh. Furbog or Goliath's life. And now they're like, I am indebted to you forever. Yeah. Because you are now the person <laughs> they need to protect and keep alive. It's a life for a life. I need to prove to myself that I can fulfill the mission I was born to do. Yeah. And absolutely. That is, and that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Right? And that's now your NPC that's following you around that you're going to have a fall in love with romantic moment. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. But, like, so many it. options. I love it so much. Yeah. It's like a so Tobolt moment. moment. Shut up. <laughs> don't bring Tobolt into this. <laughs> sorry. None of your business. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> spicy. So spicy. <laughs> all right. So that's all for this giant winter special episode on Verbeeg, Furbolgs, and Goliaths. This wraps up our conversation on giants for now. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much for sticking with us on this fucking journey. It's been a slice, Megan. Wild ride. (laughs) Absolute wild ride. (sighs) Thanks for listening to this special episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com. And if you'd like to discuss what you've heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at r slash It's a Mimic. For other episodes on other kinds of monsters, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're gonna get. talk about fog giants fog giants okay tell me so fog giants all right so it's gonna be touching on a little something sad oh this is what we do this is what we came here for so we talked a lot about cloud giants in previous episodes of our season one of our giant special but we are now talking a lot about giant inspo from the in the different morning kind of books yes well in one of the books there is something called the fog giant which is a cloud giant who failed to protect their horde, <laughs> and as punishment, 
are banished to the bottom of the ordining and sent away. What the fuck? Now, all they do in life is try to reclaim that horde and become special again, basically. That is a far, far fall. That's a far fall. Because cloud giants are like... Up, you can't see me, but they're up here <laughs> yes. on the ordning. Like yeah. they're they're way up. The, the arm is high. The, the arm, arm is, is high. high. You know what I mean? Um, so they basically become these pillaging, desperate giants who are only seeking the next greatest treasure. They also collect servants and other minions to help them replenish and rebuild their horde. Okay. Okay. So stats wise, they are chain mailed up with an AC of sixteen. And a very healthy pool of hit points. Like, I'm saying average 200 plus. Holy shit. They have a strength of of plus 8 and a constitution of plus 6 that brings them to a CR of 11. So, not something that you're probably going to fight in first tier. No. You know what I mean? Not at all. But something to note. Because they are cloud giants, they are not stupid. They are actually very wise, making them skilled in insight, perception, and persuasion, which I believe is how they are able to gather the henchmen that they are gathering. Yeah. Because they're able to convince whatever they can find to bolster their, you know, their horde. Yeah. They are denizens of the mist, which means that they are unaffected by the fog cloud spells that the um, cloud giants have. Okay. They have a keen sense of smell, which is advantage on wisdom saves when relying on smell. They're also uh, spellcasters, of course, utilizing charisma as their spell DC and can cast detect magic, fog cloud, light, and then uh, three times a day they can do feather fall and misty step. Holy shit. Uh, so in <laughs> battle, they can also multi-attack with a great sword. Or throw rocks. Where did these come from? <laughs> no, I know you're telling me. I talk. <laughs> and they have an ability called Petty Tyrant, which is basically means it screams at the top of its lungs and so that it causes their allies to get an extra attack action. <laughs> so I just I just imagine your team and we have so many times in my life. As a DM and as a player, I've been walking through a, like, fog-filled forest or, like, a fog-filled whatever the fuck. Yeah. And the, but can you imagine just all of a sudden you hear this screaming wail? <laughs> and then all of a sudden all of these, like, arrows come at you. And they're not trying to, like, kill you. They're just trying to take your shit. <laughs> right? They're but, like, they're, but they're going to go for the ancestral sword of your paladin. They're going to go for, yeah. like, the magic mace of your cleric. Like, they're going to go for your, like, your, like, what are the attuned items. Like, they're going right. to go for your good shit. Yeah. So the arrows will corral you to one secluded spot where you can't get through anywhere. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> they're going to cave you in, and then they're going to take your stuff. Amazing. It's so strange. Fog giants. Wow. Yeah. Who so, would have thought? I mean, the question here is, do you think that fog, di- fog giants, like, actually deserve to be dropped to the bottom of the ordning? Well, I mean, it's pretty harsh. It's- Especially if they have an intelligence and they are spellcasters, like, they should not, <laughs> they should not be. Yeah. But all I-, I can hear in my head is the, how would they know? <laughs> Right? Like, of course, say you're dropped to the bottom of the ordning as accordance to the cloud giants. So you fall down to the earth, and you're now living within a forest. But the adventurers you come across, they don't fucking know that you're a fallen cloud giant. That's true. They don't know that you're a fog giant. They just look at you and you're a fucking giant, right? So, like, in my mind, like, how would they know? How would they ever know? Right. 
And then they think that they're helping a cloud giant who is like at the top of this ordining. Your adventure party is going to be like, oh yeah, we're going to do all these things. You get to the castle where these cloud giants come from. It's fucking Jar Jar Binks that's walking in. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> they're like, what are you doing here? You are banished. And then your adventure party is like, what the fuck? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> But my horde is larger now. Yeah. It's like, but we did a thing. We did a thing and it was good. Like, isn't that good enough? Yeah. I just like that reference that is the Jar Jar Binks and Cloud Giants. Oh, spectacularly <laughs> underwhelming. <laughs> oh. You're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong. Oh, man. Cute. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah, throw it in. You could throw that in at lots of different moments. Yeah. You could do that as, I'm just going to fuck with you guys because you're pissing me off. Let's do a a fog giant. Mm. And this actually gained you nothing and actually you lost magical magical items because he stole from you. (laughs) I could see a, like, fog giant making friends with a furbolg. And, like, being like, hey, man. I just need shit from people that come into your forest. We can scare them away together, but I get their stuff. <laughs> yeah. So you lead them around in circles, and I'll just loot them in their sleep, and then they'll be Until on they want to leave, right? <laughs> but then I keep the stuff. Yeah. Because I can't imagine the full bogs are very, like, I'm going to keep the stuff. They're like, no, I just no. want them out of my forest, and yeah. this is a means. Just don't disturb the forest. To help them get out of the forest, right? Yeah. Or even just partnering up with a Goliath, because, like, Goliaths can also have that, like, you can have a fallen Goliath that comes out of its community because it feels it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. So I can almost see, like, a Goliath and a fog giant becoming besties because they have a commonality in the fact that they weren't good enough for their community. Yes. And, like, if you navigate into the mountains... It will get foggy. Like yeah. You will enter the mists. And absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Dope. Could totally have. <laughs> crazy walk, shit. They walk into the mist hand in hand. <laughs> Say thanks. We're besties. Oh my gosh. This is the love story you never needed. Yeah. <laughs> but we deserved. There you go. <laughs> this episode is going to focus on the giant cane... <laughs> Giant cane. Giant cane. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Why would I get it right in the last episode? You know what? <laughs> Beguiles me. <laughs> this episode is going to focus on the giant kin of D&D 5th edition that mostly close... <laughs> oh my god. Oh shit. <laughs> Are we going to make it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I don't want it to end. All right. All right. <laughs> There are more and more humanoids and cultures and civilizations of intelligent creatures. Creatures. (laughs) I'm not alone. (laughs) Was that a, was that like a $20 bottle or is that like a $25 bottle? Um. If you say 14, you're going to blow my mind. Let me see. We could do the thing, and I have the receipt. I digress. One minute. Let's see. Villa. This one is the Earth Garden Savignon. Yep. Eighteen ninety nine. Fuck yeah, and that's Canadian prices, bitches. <laughs> so in the states, that's like what two dollars? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd be getting so drunk if I was oh, in the states. Oh my god, I don't even want to talk about it. 
Oh. All right. Cheers. Cheers.